Please turn with me in your Bibles to the 23rd Psalm. It's on page 458 in the Chair Bibles. Uh, we'll be doing a mini-series on the Psalms until the second week of February, um, and then we'll return to the Gospel of John. And in, in this way, if everything paces out, we'll be in John 20, Christ's resurrection, on Easter uh, Sunday. So that's the plan. So today we're in Psalm 23, uh, perhaps the, the most famous psalm, um, and it's not hard to see why. Uh, it's, it's simple, it's beautiful, it's profound, uh, it's, it's so personal and filled with confidence and hope. Uh, it's a prayer expressing a close and secure relationship with God, a relationship that immerses every single aspect of life. Psalm 23, it's, it's like a, a familiar road. Perhaps like a road that you live on or, or one that you take to work or school every day. Now, these are the roads that you're, you're always on for every day of your life. And psalm 23 is like that. It's a psalm that we're always living in. No matter what season of life we're in, Psalm 23 relates to us and speaks to our situation. It's like the, the Lord's Prayer or Romans 8 or the Ten Commandments or, um, uh, or like the Great Commission. It's part of God's Word that always speaks to our present situation. So Psalm 23, it's, it's a familiar road. But sometimes there are pitfalls with familiarity. Sometimes when I'm driving on a familiar road... I check out. I, I, I don't think about what I'm doing. I don't. Uh, uh, I just kind of think about um, whatever is on my mind. Um, and so then, you know, when I get to my destination, I, I think back and I'm like, yeah, I, I don't remember a single thing about that drive. Um, so sometimes, you know, familiarity can kind of make us, uh, um, you know, kind of zone out. Um, and uh, so, um, so we need to we kind of need to check ourselves when we come to things that are very familiar to us. Um, so as we as we come to this text, let's come with ears ready to hear God's word afresh for us today. Each word of Psalm 23 is important for you today. So Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Oh God, as we come to this passage, we acknowledge that you are our shepherd. And even right now, you've set before us green pastures, quiet waters, Help us now to be hungry for your word, to be hungry for you, to feed and to be satisfied. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here who is more like a, a lost sheep, one who's gone astray, living on their own, alone, in danger, we ask, Lord, that they would hear your voice now. 
that, they, that you would rescue them and bring them into your flock. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, some of you, I'm, I'm sure, are familiar with David Paulison. Uh, he's one of my favorite authors, and uh, he was a leader in the biblical counseling world before he passed away in 2019. Uh, he became uh, a Christian as an adult, uh, but before that, yeah, he was an atheist who struggled uh, deeply with philosophical and existential questions. And, and even though he was a Harvard grad, his life was a mess. A few years ago, he wrote an anti-Psalm 23. An anti-Psalm 23. It's Psalm 23, but without God in the picture. Perhaps a, a reflection of some of the things that he used to think before he became a Christian. Paulison said, uh, The anti-psalm tells what life feels like and looks like whenever God vanishes from sight. The anti-psalm captures the drivenness and pointlessness of life purposes that are petty and self-defeating. It expresses the fears and silent despair that cannot find a voice because there's no one to really talk to. So here it is, anti-psalm 23. I'm on my own. No one looks out for me or protects me. I experience a continual sense of need. Nothing's quite right. I'm always restless. I'm easily frustrated and often disappointed. It's a jungle. I feel overwhelmed. It's a desert. I'm thirsty. My soul feels broken, twisted, and stuck. I can't fix myself. I stumble down some dark paths. Still, I insist... I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want. But life's confusing. Why don't things ever really work out? I'm haunted by emptiness and futility, shadows of death. I fear the big hurt and final loss. Death is waiting for me at the end of every road, but I'd rather not think about that. I spend my life protecting myself. Bad things can happen. I find no lasting comfort. I'm alone, facing everything that could hurt me. Are my friends really friends? Other people use me for their own ends. I can't really trust anyone. No one's got my back. No one is really for me, except me. I'm so much all about me, sometimes it's sickening. I belong to no one except myself. My cup is never quite full enough. I'm left empty. Disappointment follows me all the days of my life. Will I just be obliterated into nothingness? Will I be alone, forever, homeless, free-falling into, into void? Sartre said, hell is other people. I have to add, hell is also myself. It's a living death, and then I die. The contrast between Psalm 23 and this anti-psalm is striking. Which do you resonate with? Does the anti-psalm sound like some things that you've thought before? Do you ache with loneliness or, or emptiness or purposelessness? Or does Psalm 23 paint a re an accurate picture of your life as, 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 as being one of God's beloved sheep? My hope and prayer is that as we consider this famous psalm that that 
that this psalm would become each person's own personal psalm, each person's prayer of confidence and thanksgiving to God, an anthem that they can sing all of their life, even on their deathbed. My hope and prayer is that, is that you will see Christ as your very own shepherd and find contentment in his personal care and providence for you. Whether you abound or whether you are walking right now, being led by him into the valley of the shadow of death. That you would know today God's presence and goodness and mercy. The first thing that we read about this psalm is that it's written by David. David was a shepherd before he was a warrior and a king. So he's very familiar with the relationship between a shepherd and his flock. And yet here, David is not identifying himself as a shepherd. Rulers of Israel uh, were often called shepherds, as we saw in Ezekiel 34. Um, so, but but he's, he's not focusing on himself as a king, as a ruler. Instead, he's identifying himself with a, a lowly, needy, vulnerable, dirty sheep. And he sees himself under the care and watch of Yahweh, his shepherd. And this, isn't, this is not an embarrassing thing for him. He, he finds confidence and security in this humble identity as one of God's helpless sheep. David begins and he ends with uh, the name Yahweh, God's covenant name. Uh, we see it represented in, in the name Lord in all capital letters. This name reminded David that God is his God. A God who entered into a covenant relationship with, with him and the people of Israel. And so God uh, has promised to be faithful uh, to, to, to them just as he had been faithful to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, and all, all the people of Israel throughout all the centuries. The Lord is is not merely a God that David chose to follow. Instead, David recognized that the Lord chose him and the people of Israel to be his people and for them to have him as their God. The Lord initiated and established this relationship. Just as a a shepherd establishes the relationship with his sheep and not the other way around, so also God began this relationship and has made promises to his people, promises that they can enjoy if they put their trust in him alone. And so David states with simple confidence, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now David wasn't merely drawing a parallel between his experience as a shepherd and, and, uh, his, and, and God's relationship to him being like that of a shepherd. I think David was drawing on how, pe- how the people of Israel had viewed God as their shepherd for centuries. The patriarch Jacob, whose name uh, was later, uh, later became Israel, he was the first one in the Bible to claim God as his personal shepherd. In Genesis 48, verse 15, as Jacob looks back on his long life that had been, just been filled with so many twists and turns, Jacob prays this to God. The God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. The God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. Just as Jacob had viewed God as his personal lifelong shepherd, so also David is claiming the same thing here in Psalm 23. David isn't claiming something special for himself that his forefathers didn't have. 
But rather he sees that God has uh, God doesn't change and he's always related to his covenant people as their shepherd. God proved himself in another way uh, to be Israel's faithful shepherd uh, during the Exodus. He chose Moses, who was also a shepherd, to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. Psalm 78 uh, describes God as Israel's shepherd throughout the Exodus and the wilderness wanderings. It says this, He struck down every firstborn in Egypt, the firstfruits of their strength in the tents of Ham. Then he led out his people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them in safety so that they were not afraid. But the sea overwhelmed their enemies. And he brought them into his holy land, to the mountain which his right-handed won. He drove out nations before them. He apportioned them for a possession and settled the tribes of Israel in their tents. Here, if if we look close enough, we see many similarities between the Exodus and Psalm 23. We see protection from death. They had protection from death at the Passover. We see that, uh, that God led his people like a flock. We see that because God led them in safety, they didn't need to be afraid. We also see Israel's enemies are destroyed by the Red Sea and nations are driven out before their presence. And then Israel is brought to God's holy land. So do you you see some parallels with Psalm 23? I believe believe David is drawing on not just his own personal experience, but also the salvation history of the people of Israel. That again and again, God shepherds his people like a flock, providing for them, leading them, defeating their enemies, rescuing them from fear and death, and bringing his people to dwell with him in his holy land. So David views the Lord not only as his personal shepherd, but as Israel's ancient shepherd. And so King David was able to give this psalm to his people, for them to sing, because God was their covenant Lord too, and thus their shepherd. This wasn't something just unique for David. Not only do we see in the Bible God as the ancient shepherd of Israel, but we also see the prophecy of a future and permanent shepherd for God's people. And that that prophecy is, as you know, that prophecy is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We saw that in Ezekiel 34, uh, but we also see it in Micah chapter 5. Micah 5 is it's a, it's a common prophecy that's quoted around Christmas time because it prophesies that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. It says this, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. Jesus is this shepherd that comes from Bethlehem and brings peace and security to God's people. And Jesus himself claims this identity in John 10 saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
I know my own and my own know me. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. So as New Covenant saints, we now see with even greater clarity who the shepherd of Psalm 23 is. It is Yahweh himself in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is our shepherd. He owns us. He takes care of us. He provides for us. He protects us. He heals us. He leads us. We as sheep, we we follow him. We trust him. We receive from him. We depend on him. We obey him. And we rest with him. As a good shepherd, he will never leave us when, when, uh, when, when times are hard or when the enemies are fierce. It's because he is our shepherd. The best of all shepherds that we can say with this psalm, I shall not want. I shall not want. The Hebrew word for not wanting here is, is the same word that Moses used to describe the people of Israel as lacking nothing throughout their wilderness wanderings. Moses says in Deuteronomy 2 verse 7, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. You have lacked nothing. I think this is a really good parallel for how we are to think about contentment in this life. Did Israel have everything that their hearts desired in the wilderness? No, certainly not. But did they have everything that they needed? Yes. Did they have the very presence of God with them? Even though they didn't have the whole buffet of food that they wanted? Even though they didn't have a place yet to call home? Yes, they had the very presence of God with them. So they they lacked nothing that was of true need and importance. Brothers and sisters, we too can find this contentment of soul in Christ our shepherd. Through his providence toward us, he provides for us, protects us, and he's with us all along the way with his very presence. So what else can we ask for? What else could we possibly need? So how do we know that Jesus is our shepherd and that we are his sheep? How can we become one of his precious sheep? Because the psalm is so well known, there are many people who, you know, they like the psalm, they get warm fuzzies when they read it, and, uh, you know, I'm thinking about God as their shepherd. But they may not be God's sheep. They, you know, he may not be their shepherd. Many people read the psalm and they kind of fill their own ideas of what it means and you know, maybe they just simply claim God as, as their shepherd who just in general gives them what they need and want and, um, and then in general protects them. But just because you like this psalm and want God to be your shepherd, that doesn't mean that he is your shepherd. Just because you have enough to eat and a, a good job and more than enough to live off of, that doesn't mean that God's blessed you and, is, and that he's your shepherd. You must follow Christ. The psalm is your psalm when you belong to Christ. The good shepherd as one of his sheep. 
and his sheep hear his voice and follow him. Not everyone is one of God's sheep. If you are not yet a Christian, the Bible says you're like a, like a lost and wayward sheep, going your own way and in great danger. But Jesus is a shepherd who is here to rescue you. In one of his parables, Jesus teaches about the lost sheep and, and the shepherd that goes and searches for that sheep until he finds it. And then in his joy, he lays it on his shoulders and he brings it home. And then Jesus says this, There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So we see here that it's through repentance, through turning away from sin, turning away from living for what we want, to following Jesus Christ, this is how we are rescued and brought into the flock of Christ and become His very own sheep. He then becomes our good shepherd and we can trust and rely upon Him all our days. Today, if you hear the voice of the good shepherd, leave everything and follow Him. Call out to Him and He will rescue you. Become a part of God's flock, the church. And come under the care of the church's shepherds, the pastors and elders. And experience God's shepherding care through them and through the rest of the church. Through faith and repentance, through, through leaving your old way of life and following Christ, you can then have the same confidence as that of David in Psalm 23. And you yourself, you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. Not the Lord might be my shepherd or I hope the Lord is my shepherd. But you can say the Lord is my shepherd. Now that we've considered from verse 1 how the Lord is like a shepherd and how we can become one of his sheep, let's now look at the rest of the psalm and see the contentment that is ours in our shepherd's providential care. David describes God's care for us using three themes of provision, protection, and presence. So we'll take a look at each theme individually, but, um, but as you'll see, these themes are often interwoven with one another. Let's first consider our shepherd's provision. Look with me at verses 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The poetry here depicts a flock of sheep lying down in lush green grass, peacefully feeding and, and resting in safety. The sheep they have the most nutritious pastures, and they have quiet waters to drink from, peaceful waters that are easy to access, not like wild rivers with, uh, with, with heavy rapids that are just too violent for timid sheep to quench their thirst from. In these four lines that speak of God's provision, we see that God is the one who provides all these things. Each line starts with He. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores my soul. The Lord personally does this work for us. Although He works through many providential means, like His church, uh, to provide for His flock, it is He Himself who is actively considering your needs and caring for you Individually. He knows you through and through. As Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, your Heavenly Father knows what you need 
He provides our physical needs, our, our food for food, clothing, and shelter, so that we do not need to be anxious about these things. Rather, instead of focusing our life on those things, Jesus points us in a different direction. He says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to, you, to us. So the green pastures and still waters are, are not just the physical provisions that we need along the way as we seek God's kingdom. There are, they are also the spiritual provisions that we need. God's word and God's spirit are the chief spiritual provisions for our journey. This is because, as Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Jesus compares his spirit to rivers of living waters in John 7, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit. Now, as imperfect sheep, uh, we often go astray out of disobedience. We stop listening to our shepherd's voice, to his word. Sometimes we eat what we shouldn't eat, and then we get so full on that stuff that we won't eat and drink the lush grass and pure water that God has provided. We lose taste for God's word. We quench the spirit. And so our souls become fearful, weak, discouraged, distracted, proud, or at worst, even calloused. But as our shepherd corrects us and brings us back to his word and walking by his spirit again uh, with the rest of his flock, he then restores our soul. Charles Spurgeon said this, when the soul grows, sor sor grows sorrowful, he revives it. When it is sinful, he sanctifies it. When it is weak, he strengthens it. Our shepherd then leads us in the, in the paths of righteousness, these right and just paths of obedience. He speaks to us in his word the way we ought to live, how we are to love him and our neighbor. How we're to live for God's kingdom and take part in the church's mission to make disciples of all nations. He leads us on these paths of obedience. And as we see in the last phrase of verse 3, it's all for his name's sake. For his name's sake. The end goal for God caring for you and sanctifying you and leading you is that his name might be glorified. This is the greatest purpose of our lives. And the only way for us to live out this greatest purpose is if we follow closely with our Lord, receiving with gratitude whatever comes from His hand, and obedient and being obedient, humbly obeying like children, whatever comes from His mouth. We should not use God as our shepherd for our own glory. That'll never work. For as Isaiah says, God gives His glory to no other. So God provides for us what we need, and he also protects us. Look with me at verses 4 and 5. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
psalm, it, 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 it began with very serene poetry, uh, but, but then the scene changes dramatically in verse 4. But notice this, the, the scene changes from green pastures and, and quiet waters uh, to the valley of the shadow of death, but, but even though the scene changes, the tone of the psalm remains the same. The same tone of confidence and security that is in the first three verses carries into these darker verses. Whenever you follow Jesus, uh, he often leads you into situations that you never expected. Uh, perhaps uh, in the, in the uh, parts of life that you have been afraid to go into. Things that you never wanted to happen. Following Jesus, Jesus is not all rainbows and unicorns. We are sometimes led through the wilderness, through dark and deep valleys that threaten death. Life can get so dark that you can't even see your hand in front of your face. You can't see your shepherd, and so you begin to wonder, like, is he even there? Has he left me? Has he actually never been there at all? But has your shepherd left you? No. Psalm 139, verses 11 and 12 says this, If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Our shepherd is there, with us in the darkness. And he sees everything clearly. Even though we can't see him, he sees us. Even though we can't see what's even one foot in front of us, he sees it perfectly. For some of you, you're, you're facing some of the hardest challenges you've ever faced in your entire life. And the way forward is not clear. For some of you, you're, you're in a dark valley with your health. For others of you... Um, it's with your children. For others, it's, 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 it's with some very important relationships in your life. Or perhaps you're in a season of, of spiritual depression and you, you feel like, like God's not even there. He's forsaken you. For others, you may be facing death itself. Or, or either your own death or, or, or an imminent or recent death of a loved one. Even in this valley, this psalm says that you can walk. You can walk. You needn't run frantically. You can walk fearlessly with your shepherd. And then there's another key word here as well. The word through. Your shepherd is leading you through the valley. Not, not to stay in the valley, but to reach beyond the valley. When you go down into a valley, the valley always goes up to a higher mountain. You may have never been in the valley that you're in now, and it's, it is so dark and mysterious. You don't know what to do next. You, you don't know what the best way is out of the valley. You would give anything to figure that out. But God is familiar with your valley. He's led many a sheep through the same valley that you are going through. He is familiar with the twists and turns. 
And He will guide you. So you need not fear. Even if you're facing death itself, you need not fear. Charles Spurgeon said of this shadow valley, Someone has said that when there is a shadow, there must be light somewhere. And so there is. Death stands by the side of the highway in which we have to travel, and the light of heaven shining upon him throws a shadow across our path. Let us then rejoice that there is a light beyond. Nobody is afraid of a shadow, for a shadow cannot stop a man's pathway even for a moment. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. The shadow of a sword cannot kill. The shadow of death cannot destroy us. Let us not, therefore, be afraid. Death cannot destroy us because our Savior has destroyed death. It's interesting, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the psalm right before this is Psalm 22. And that's a psalm that depicts Jesus' journey into the valley of the shadow of death. It's a prophecy of his death on the cross. When you look at Psalm 22, you see that right away in verse 1 that Jesus, that he feels forsaken by God. He finds no rest, verse 2. He is surrounded uh, by his enemies and, 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 and his trust in God is mocked. Verses 6 and 7. His cup is not full. Rather, he described himself as being poured out like water. Verse 14. He's thirsty. Verse 15. His enemies have their way with him and he's pierced. Verse 16. His nakedness is exposed. Verse 18. And then he is, he is laid in the dust of death. Verse 15. Jesus is experiencing Curse, not blessing. The first half of Psalm 22, you could say, is Jesus' anti-Psalm 23. He's speaking, but God is not responding. He's not at peace. He's alone. His needs are not met. He is not protected. His, he does not feel God's presence. He is faced with unthinkable suffering and attack. And he faces death itself. But Psalm 22 doesn't end with despair. It ends with Christ's victory over death. And so because Christ has defeated death, we do not need to fear death. We will walk with Christ through the valley of the shadow of death and we will reach the other side and climb God's mountain where we will dwell forever with him. Finally, we see the third theme of our shepherd's providence, his presence. Look again at verse 4. It says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We can be content in Jesus as our shepherd because he's always with us. No matter what we're going through, he is with us and even in us with his spirit. And so he hears you when you cry to him. He sees your most intimate need. He sees all the details of your life. Because his spirit is in you, 
The still waters are always with you wherever you go. Even in the driest seasons, the fountain of living waters dwells within your heart and can quench every thirst of your soul. The last verse of Psalm 23, verse 6 says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here all three themes of God's provision, protection, and presence, they all come together. This last verse looks not um, at, at the past or the present, but it looks to the future. And the same tone of confidence and security that we've seen throughout the psalm, it comes here into the last verse as, 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 as the psalmist looks ahead to the future. We can be confident that God's goodness and mercy will not run dry towards us. But it will follow and pursue us all the days of our life. And because of Jesus, we can know and be assured that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's in His house that we will forever be provided for. The green pastures will always be green. There will be no more wandering in the wilderness. In His house, will be, we will forever be protected. All our enemies will be defeated. The, the Red Sea will finally wipe them all away. And there will be no more pain or sadness or sickness or sin or even death. And in His house, we will forever enjoy His presence. We will see our shepherd face to face along with the rest of the flock of God. Our shepherd is eagerly awaiting these days. So fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for how, are you, how you have fed us from your word. How lush these pastures are how pure the water is. We thank you. Heavenly Father, we pray that for those who are perhaps lost right now, that they would hear your voice and that they would be rescued by you. Lord, help us to, to know that no matter where we are right now, if we, if we are in a dark valley, that we would take great confidence and know that you are there with us. Help us to walk closely to you, even in these times. Help us to walk together as a flock during these dark times, to not just go these things, do these things alone, but to go through these paths together. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.